if you could choose one famous person or fictional character or video game character or from anything in the world to be your personal warlock patron, who would it be and why would you choose them? Are we rolling for this? Sure. Let's go. <laughs> 17. Got four. I was going to choose Kratos because he's already a patron of the God of War, but I just want him. Okay. I, I enjoy his rage. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? I don't know if this is the answer I would give if I had time to think about it, but just off the cuff, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard? Mm. Okay. Everything he touches is gold. Every movie I've seen him in is great. What he's doing in the tabletop community is fantastic. He just seems like a great person. Yep. Off the cuff, that's the first thing I thought of that was like, I think that guy's interests uh, align with mine enough that he's a good warlock patron for me. Cool. And you would just want a piece of that goldenness. Just want a piece of it. Honestly, if I was to choose one, like a person, I'm thinking more along the lines of real world. I would probably, unfortunately, go with The Rock. It would be definitely a guilty patron. But I would just because a sliver of that man's motivation and a sliver of his charm would go fucking miles for me. And I, I like any help in those two realms would do so much. I got I got technical capability down. It's just getting the urge to get off my ass and do it. And then being able to stand in front of a group of more than three people at a time without shit myself would be helpful. Give me a little bit of that power. And I, I don't know, I'll, I'll shine your head. I don't care right? I will pick up the baby oil because that man must go through fucking jugs of it. Okay. But like one of your class features <laughs> has to be related to intimidation, but it has to be the eyebrow raise. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be the people's <laughs> eyebrow thing because I'm a ginger. I don't really have eyebrows. So oh, like I draw mine on <laughs> my wife threatens to draw mine on. It's pretty bad. Well, I mean, depending on her mood, you could be surprised all day. Constant surprise. <laughs> it's a mimic. The Roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Dan, and with me today are Megan and Jeff. And this episode is called Warlocks Having a Blast. Uh huh. Is this the first episode we've been on together, Jeff? Speaking of? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely is. Yeah. Can't wait Um, for our personalities to clash. This is going to be great. (laughs) It'll happen, I'm sure. Happens with everybody. Anyway, so. With Warlocks, we have previously covered the Celestial Hexblade and Undying Patrons in our first Warlock episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second Warlocks episode, we went over the Archfey, Great Old One, and Fiend Patrons, as well as sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to consider their patrons' attitude, the special terms of their pact, and a potential binding mark. You can find these episodes as well as our three special episodes on Great Old Ones, Archdevils, and Demon Lords as Warlock patrons on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you could jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we built over there. This episode, however, is going to take us through the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, where we are going to look at the subclasses presented there as well as the optional class features. We'll also be digging through the pages of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and unearthing the new warlock subclass buried there. But before we get going, mentioning the fact that this is the first time Megan and Jeff have been on an episode together, this is really the first time Jeff and I have been on an episode together where we get to interact, which is nice. But Jeff, let's officially welcome you to the podcast. Welcome. It's good to have you here, man. Um, Now, 
It's been a couple months since we've heard your voice on the podcast back in the mom mentality episodes, but it's been months since we've spoken to you. Many of the listeners probably didn't get a proper introduction to you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with D&D and role-playing games. All right. I am a lifelong nerd, fantasy reader, and collector of hobbies. Okay. I read Dragonlance around 12 years old and Drizzt not long after. I've been steeped in D&D lore most of my life, but never really played until fairly recently. I had friends in high school that played, but was far too busy riding BMX and going to punk shows at the time. I started playing off and on right around the time 5th edition came out, but didn't seriously get into it and start playing and DMing in earnest until about four years ago when I moved to Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, so big punk fan, top three punk bands, go. Bad Religion, Propagandi. Third is always the hardest choice. Just because I listened to them earlier and I'm thinking of it, we'll go with Rancid because I was listening okay. to Maxwell Murder. Cool. Yeah, that I, changes uh, every week. My kids came to me the other day and were like, hey, daddy, what are your three favorite albums of all time? Because we had just taught them what an album was. I was going to say, do they know what an album is? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we actually sat down. We're like, this is an album. You put it down. The needle makes because we were watching a movie that had like a record player on it. They're like, how does that work? We're like, oh, mm. But it took me a while to figure out what my top three albums of all time were. Like albums you can listen from the beginning to the end without fail, right? And I had like Bare Naked Ladies Gordon, Lateralis Tool, and I forget what the third one I had was. But yeah, it, it, I, I sent like a message out to all my musical friends and was like, hey, what do you think? So I'm already going to change my third choice. <laughs> <laughs> So if where I'm from in southeastern Massachusetts, there's a new Bedford, Massachusetts band called A Wilhelm Scream. Okay. And I've seen that band play more times than I've seen any other band. I've probably seen them play 50 times. Everything they've ever done absolutely rips and they're metal influenced melodic punk. Oh, okay. I'm interested. What, what are they're, they called again? They're called A Wilhelm Scream. Did you like Strung Out at all? Yeah. Like that, but faster. Cool. Awesome. Nerd. Well, we're going to be talking about Warlocks today. Uh, now that we know Jeff, we know the love for punk. We might include some information about what the, a Wellhound scream a Wilhelm or a Wilhelm. Scream. Yeah, yeah. Like Wilhelm from the... Well, there's the Wilhelm scream, which is a famous sound effect. Yeah. The band is called a Wilhelm scream. There is, uh, <laughs> this is actually, uh, it'll be on episode 146, the Warlocks episode that people will know that there is a Wilhelm scream in Deep Dark of Radiance hidden in there somewhere. So go back and listen to Deep Dark if you want to find the Wilhelm scream. Um, It's not in the first episode. I wonder if I caught it at the time. Anyway, yeah, I've been wanting to re-listen anyway. It's there. It's in a great spot. And it's kind of hard to hear just because we wanted to maintain tone and the Wilhelm screen would remove all of that. But Mm. I put it in there because I needed to. So It's, it's a thing you do. It's a thing you do. So other things you do is devote your soul and personality to uh, great, powerful patrons to grant you power. And we're going to talk about that now. That was my subtle segue. Good segue. Um, yeah, thanks. So real quick, we're going to break down what the players, player's handbook gives us as a reminder for warlocks and how they work. Warlocks are a very unique class in D&D 5A. They work uniquely uh, in terms of their spells, their attacks, how they function to all other classes in the game. Everyone has kind of some similarities. Warlocks are a thing their own. At level one, you get to choose your otherworldly patron, which is your wide selection of who you've devoted your soul to or your servitude to. We have oh, 
tons of options now. We'll be covering three new ones today. But the player's handbook gives you specifically the Archfey, the Fiend, and the Great Old. Okay. You also get Pact Magic. Pact Magic is how you cast. It comes with some cantrips, a limited amount of spell slots, and the fact that your spells regen on a short rest. This is to combat the fact that you as a warlock really only get up to four spell slots max, but the majority of your early level career will be two spell slots that you have to juggle with short rests. Okay. (laughs) You are a charisma based caster. That is something important to know as well as the fact that charisma and wisdom are your saving throws that you have for a warlock. And a lot of your skill proficiencies are going to be focused around the arcane, deception, history, intimidation, investigation, nature, and religion. So the knowledges, as well as a little bit of lying and investigation, okay? You get Eldritch Invocations, which further boon your ability. These are persistent passive effects, for the most part, that your character gets multiple of as you grow, depending on what pact and what um, patron you have will affect what kind of invocation your character uses and how they use it, right? Invocations can be anything from being able to read any language to cast raise dead once a day without a spell slot, okay? And that's pretty much all you get that isn't patron related until you get to about 12th level when you start getting your Mystic Arcanum. Mystic Arcanums are individual spells that you know that you can cast once per day at higher levels. Your spell slots only go up to fifth level as a warlock. So any of your sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth level spells that you cast, you have to use your Mystic Arcanum to do, okay? And you get about one of those a day, okay? One Mystic Arcanum a day. Finally, at level 20, you become an Eldritch Master, which is when you can spend one minute in treating your patron to regain all of your expended spell slots once per long rest, okay? So basically you get a do-over after a one-minute little ritual. Next, we're going to talk about some spells, and this is going to take a a couple minutes because between Acquisitions Incorporated and Tasha's, the Warlock spell list has blown up. Now, Warlocks are known to be Eldritch Blast Monkeys, hence the name of this episode, Having a Blast. Um... That's all you need. <laughs> but there are some other options for you come Tasha's and Acquisitions Incorporated. Again, I want to recommend Acquisitions Incorporated to anyone who doesn't have it. It's a great resource, even if you're not a huge fan of Penny Arcade and the Ack Inc. stuff. The mechanics it brings to the average 5e game are incredible. It is a hidden gem of a book. Get it. Are we trying to get sponsored by them? Because I feel like every episode I'm on now, we we like talk and blow smoke up their ass. Like, I don't know. well, we 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 did a cover of it, right? And and Adam yeah. and I were like, well, okay, we actually got to flip through this book and see what's going on. You know, it is a release book. We we personally have overlooked it for years, mm-hmm. right? And we both just sat down. We're like, holy shit, this book is fucking gold. And now it, a sponsorship would be nice. It Great. would be really nice. So yes, sponsor us. Um, your book's fucking great. Make another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so Akin gives us two spells uh, for the Warlock. Uh, one is a first level illusion spell. The second is a third level enchantment spell. We get distort value as that illusion spell, which lets you double or have the value of an object for eight hours. It takes a successful investigation check versus your spell save to determine the true value of that object. This brings some interesting role play opportunities for um, those 
equipment buying days, those shopping days, right? That we all have in our sessions where you can (laughs) double the value of like a shitty piece of armor, which then adds an illusion to it to be more polished or something. So you get twice the gold value back. And then within eight hours, it's just a shitty piece of armor again. Okay. Um, Or have the value, say you are um, wanting to buy an object from someone, you cast this spell and you're like, well, there's all these pockmarks and stuff, have the value. So you get the value for half the price, right? Yeah. You just got to get away with casting a spell in front of a uh, merchant. So, hey. Um, Next at third level, you get Incite Greed, which I love. It basically causes creatures of your choice within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom save or do nothing but drool at a gem that you show them. What a weird, like very specific role-playing opportunity. Like, (laughs) you know what though? I feel like it is a direct reference back to the original trilogy and Regis's gem. With Regis's gem? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Turn yeah. that spell into a magic item and you have that gem. Honestly, weird that it took so many editions of the game, including the bloat we had with 3.5 to get a spell that does something like this. That isn't just right. an enthrall, right? Yeah. Cool. So um, with Tasha's, we get a whole slew of new spells, including a new spell effect that we will be going over shortly. Um, firstly, we'll cover the new cantrips and then we'll go down the spells. Uh, Warlocks now have access to Booming Blade, which is an evocation cantrip where you make a melee weapon attack and on a hit, you do damage as normal. But should the creature you hit want to move voluntarily on uh, before the end of your next turn, um, they kind of explode with a little bit of thunder damage, okay? It being a cantrip, that damage increases as your character level increases. Green Flame Blade is kind of the same. Again, it's an attack with a melee weapon as part of the spell. However, it splashes a little bit of flame damage, fire damage, on an adjacent creature. Higher level of the spell lets you apply additional fire damage to the target as well as more fire damage to the adjacent target. You get Lightning Lure, which is a target within 15 uh, feet of you, succeeds on a strength save or be pulled 10 feet toward you. If they end that movement within five feet of you, they then take lightning damage. Friends, listen to how that goes. If they succeed on the save, they don't take damage. If you pull them uh, five feet and they're still 10 feet away from you, they don't take damage, right? They have to end five feet from you to take the damage. Um, So next you got Mind Sliver, which is uh, literally mind bullets. That's telekinesis, Kyle. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) No, really. So basically a creature within 60 feet of you makes an int save, which do it against a barbarian and laugh. Um, And they take psychic damage. So do it against a bear totem barbarian DMs and laugh. The um, fact that there's a cantrip with an int save and psychic damage by together, oh, that should always be on your short list of cantrips if you can get it. But mm-hmm. it gets better because they also get a negative 1d4 on their next saving throw before the end of your next turn. Yep. And it's a saving throw. Of, uh, it, it's like the next saving throw, period. Yep. Right? So um, your warlock, you got a hex on that thing. Um, so they get disadvantage on a, a save with that. And then you add this on top of it, a disadvantage plus a minus D4, that spell's going to, that's, it's just going to work. It's just going to work. Anything with psychic damage, I'm a big fan of. So the yeah. fact that this is just like, it's just chef's kiss, just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the, the final cantrip you get from Tasha's as a warlock is sword burst, which is a, uh, another one of those aura farts of damage that you could do. Basically all creatures within five feet of you make a deck save or be hit with force damage dealing spectral swords, okay? I love rolling 
for fart damage. Yeah, roll for fart damage. <laughs> um, at third level, you get Intellect Fortress as one of your potential new spells known as a Warlock. Basically, one willing creature has resistance on all psychic damage and advantage on Int, Wisdom, and Charisma saves for one hour worth of concentration. <coughs> There's my one. With higher spell slots, you can add more creatures to that. So if you're about to go raid the Mind Flayer camp, having a couple of creatures with this on them will, will help you significantly, okay? Um, you also, as a third level, get Spirit Shroud, which is where you surround yourself with the Abjuring Spirits as a bonus action. With up to one minute of concentration, attacks you, deal within 10 feet of you, deal more damage, and you get to choose between Radiant, Necrotic, or Cold Damage. The target then cannot regain any additional hit points until the start of your next turn, okay? You also slow any creature of your choice within 10 feet of you by 10 feet worth of their movement. Spirit Trout is badass, friends. Pretty cool. Yeah, does a lot. Um, you also get Summon Fey at third level, okay? Um, you all, And Summon Shadow Spawn and Summon Undead, um, all, all at third level. Summoning spells are a thing that has come in in Tasha's. They work kind of like anything else that you use your action to cast a spell, okay? When you choose that spell, you choose one of three types of creature and a generic creature that is one of those three types comes in and uh, each spell gives you a statted up block and kind of how to manage them. You use your bonus action, tell that summoned creature what to do. Um, depending on the kind of creature you choose, there's some interesting things. So with Fey, you get uh, your three options are a fuming, a mirthful, or tricksy Fey. Um, now, all Fey summons can teleport as a bonus action, but fuming have advantage on their first attacks. Mirthful have an uh, interesting charm mechanic, and tricksy Fey summon little blobs of darkness around a battlefield. Okay. Um, I just want little blobs of darkness around me on a regular basis. Right? That sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, Shadow Spawn. Have your three forms, which are your fury, your fear, or your despair. Again, shadow spawn are your shadow fell related creatures. Um, fury gain advantage on all frightened creatures. Uh, despair gets an aura that slows creatures other than the caster around it. And uh, fear gains bonus action hide. All of them get a damaging cold hand and a super scary yell once a day. Finally, you get Summon Undead, which your three options are Ghostly, Putrid, or Skeletal. Ghostly get more HP. A fly speed can fly through walls and have a melee attack that causes the Frightened Condition. Putrid have even more HP, a Poisoning Aura, and a Poisoning slash Paralyzing melee attack. So Putrid are like your ghouls, okay? And uh, Skeletal have less HP and a Spear attack. So the skeletal guys are kind of womp womp. They get a stick. They get a, they get a <laughs> stick. Okay. At fourth level, uh, you get to summon an aberration, which is either a beholder kin, a slod, or a star spawn. This is my new favorite spell. <laughs> um, Hi, Dan. All, all of them are going to be immune to psychic damage. The slod is regenerative and has a claw attack, but it bothers me because normal slot when they hit you with a slot uh claw attack impregnate you with a tadpole that bursts from your chest and it's metal as fuck i love slot there's no mechanics people to this. work pardon yeah. so that's not how people work yeah right <laughs> um but there's no rules that say this but if you're at my table guess what you're gonna 
it's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> Never playing a game in Dan again. Older <laughs> kid. What haven't you seen Alien recently? I have. Doesn't mean yeah. I want to role play it. <laughs> Beholder again, uh, Beholder can get a singular eye ray and star spawn have a psychic damage inducing aura or a psychic melee attack. Okay. Let's separate ourselves from some summon spells for a second and go with our fifth level spells, which is where you get mislead. Mislead's great. You go invisible and create an illusory duplicate of yourself that appears in your square. You can see through its eyes, move and speak as you wish through it. But if you cast a spell or attack, both the invisibility and the duplicate end, okay? So it's it's purely a scouting mission thing, right? You don't use this to do damage or cast through. Hmm. Next is planar binding, which is where you could bind a celestial, elemental, fey, or fiend to do your bidding. It's an hour-long cast that consumes a 1,000 gold gem and only lasts for 24 hours when you're done. Now, that's not even a guarantee. Once the summoning is done, the creature gets to make a single charisma save before they are bound to your will. Should they fail, though, they do the task uh, that you command them to at the best of their ability, but they have the ability to twist your commands as they wish, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I like that to the all. best of their ability. To the best of their ability. Yeah. <laughs> so that right? doesn't mean they're good at it. <laughs> yeah. bone to the DM. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if it completes the task and you're on the same plane of existence as it, it will teleport to you and say, hey, I've completed the task. What else? I've still got time, right? However, if you're on a different plane of existence, when it completes its task, it goes to where you originally bound it and waits for the duration to end, okay? Now, it's 24 hours. That's not a big deal. This spell scales with spell slots, friends, up to ninth level where you bind the creature for a year and a day. Yep. So you tell this thing to go take your dog for a walk and you bind it for a year and a day. It's going to be dragging your dead dog behind you. It, it does that 20 minute task and then sits and waits for a year and a day. <laughs> Bound in its little spot. Great. Or it just never stops walking the dog. Or just never stops walking the dog. Yeah. Mislead, I feel like is a spell written for DMs. Yes. Yes. Mislead is a spell to allow a DM's bad guy to get his monologue off. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really is. Um, and like, it's one of those spells up there with like clone and simulacrum, uh, where like, if you have a uh, high level caster, uh, big bad evil guy, and your party is just like, we got this great plan to blow them up. And those are your workarounds. Mislead is up there with that. And it's only a fifth level spell. So it's pretty great. Um, next for fifth level, you get teleportation circle. You create a teleportation circle that instantly bamps you and some friends to the location of a permanent circle. You can store locations as waypoints to BAMF to, and you can create your, uh, you can make your per, uh, circle permanent by casting it on the same spot every day for a year, okay? Um, so at sixth level, hey guys, we're gonna talk about the last summon spell. You can oh. summon a fiend. There are three opportunities here, which makes sense. Devil, demon, Yugoloth, done. Um, demons have moderate hit points, explode when they die, and have a nasty bite attack. Devils have quite low HP, have superior dark vision, and a long range, 150 foot long range fire attack. Yugoloths have the highest HP of the bunch, and a spring attack, instant teleport, claw swipe thing. They hit you and then teleport away as a free action. I wish I had that. Yeah, right? All of them are telepathic and resistant to all spells and spell-like abilities. That's a six-level spell. That's fun. Yeah. 
Also sixth level, you get Tash's Otherworldly Guys. How many of them are there? How many guys? Um, wrong kind of guys. Ah, shit. This, 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 isn't, magic. <laughs> this isn't magic mic, Jeff. Um, shit. <laughs> so as a bonus action, you transmute your form to the upper or lower planes. Wait, it might be magic mic. Um, you gain immunities, wings. Now we're good. AC bonuses and can use your spell attack as a replacement to strength and dex for attacks and damage rolls. And you can attack twice as if you had the extra attack feature. If you already have extra attack, that last bit does nothing. You only get to attack the twice. So this makes your warlock, even if you're like Pact of the Tome, incredibly powerful in melee for a uh, small duration of time. Lasts about a minute. As if you were one of those other guys. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Seventh level. My favorite spell is Dream of the Blue Veil. Dream of the Blue Veil is a teleport to another planet on the same plane. Now, you and eight willing creatures fall asleep for 10 minutes and see visions of another realm. And I would like to point out it specifically mentions Oerf, which is Greyhawk, Toral, which is the Forgotten Realms, Kryn, which I believe is Dragonlance, yep. and Eberron. This spell just confirmed that all those planets exist on the same material plane. What? <laughs> Anyways. Like planet is the wrong word. No, it literally says. <laughs> I, uh, I know, but I hate thinking of them as planets. Like it just weirds me out. <laughs> yeah, you hate thinking about them on like the same scope of things, right? Like is this, planets is this in general. Is this where we learned that Megan's a flat earther? Okay, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, when the cat, when that 10 minute casting that is really just a nap is done, you wake up mentally and physically on that plane of existence and on that planet in that realm, period. Um, the spell will end early and the wording's a bit weird on this. So just follow me. If you are woken up and take damage during the casting, otherwise you have six hours to gallivant in the other realm. I like that it uses the word gallivant. I no, I I use the word damn it. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I hate Uh, that you use the word (laughs) gallivant. Hey, we can't exactly read these spells verbatim, okay? Otherwise, Wizards of the Coast's lawyers will be calling us. We don't want that. When you said reading, I assumed you read the word (laughs) gallivant. Anyways, anyways, ninth level spells. Only three left to go here, guys. Blade of Disaster. You create a blade-like rift in reality, which you can then use to make two spell attacks when you cast as a bonus action, mind you, to deal 4d12 force damage on a hit. Now, these crit on an 18, 19, or 20, and when they do crit, do 12d12 damage, okay? This is like your spirit bomb attack. Oh, it gets worse because this spell lasts for a minute and you could tell the rift to move 30 feet and do two more attacks every turn on your bonus action. This is your spirit weapon, uh, spiritual weapon, your uh, flaming spear, just as a ninth level spell. Pretty dope. Yeah. Um, you get gate, which is a spell that'll let you tra- uh, teleport between the planes, as well as if you know the true name of a creature, specific creature, pull them to you um, so that you can have some face-to-face time, whether that's a fight, a uh, conversation, or some other form of aid from them. That's going to be kind of up to the creature. It gives you that face-to-face time and has a handy feature of being able to teleport one way 
into a, another plane of existence. Whee. Finally, a oddly weird spell um, is, well, weird. Uh, you can make a wisdom save for each creature in a 30-foot radius sphere, okay? You can force a wisdom save from them, or they become frightened and take 4d10 psychic damage at the end of each of their turns while they're frightened. They get to repeat the wisdom save at the end of each of their turns. You had to be at psychic damage. Yeah. Uh, 4d10 damage as well. It's, it's not insignificant. And it's a 30-foot radius, so it's a 60-foot sphere. Is it, did you say each creature of your choice? Or each, each creature, creature? of each creature of your choice. So real big, real nitpicky fireball, that's way better. Yeah, it's a ninth level fireball. Yeah. Yeah. Mind ball. My, mind ball. <laughs> mind, mind ball. <laughs> I like how it says of your choice, though. So you just be like, hey, Al, I, I also don't like you. <laughs> Except you, rogue. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, rogue. <laughs> okay. Next, we are going to talk about what we have given to us in Tashes for the Warlock in terms of new and special rules. I'm done spells. Yay. Uh, yay. So first is a new pact. This is Pact of the Talisman. Now, what the Pact of the Talisman lets you do, this is along with your Pact of the Blade, Pact of the Chain, Pact of the Tome. This lets you basically carry around a talisman that, when worn, grants you a D4 to a failed ability check a number of times per long rest equal to your proficiency modifier. Okay. Now it opens up a couple other things when we're talking about invocations, but that's basically what the pack does. Um, let's grab some dice. Let's roll. Um, and I want you guys to tell me, do you like the idea of this uh, talisman that, by the way, you could give to other people to no effect, right? You, there's just the one, right? So that user then gains the ability here. Do you like this or not? Let's roll. I got a 14. 13. 19. Oh, damn it. So Jeff, do you like the Pact of the Talisman? I do. I think it's fun. I'm not a huge fan of Pact of the Tome, so it's nice to have an option that's not cool vanity sword like or imp. Um, I like the fact that you can lend it to your friends. Yeah, no, it's it's not overly complicated. It's relatively easy to understand. It does something useful and interesting. I don't see a downside. Cool. I like it. Megan? Uh yeah, I don't hate it. I enjoy it. It's just a good additive. I think I love the hilarity of giving it to your friend and then your friend breaks it. Yeah. And then you have to spend an hour long ritual to resummon it. And then the it's just, you're just yeah. so angry at each other, just staring daggers across the campfire at night. Me like, I, I just fell and I landed on it. There's nothing I could do. Like, I just, I'm sorry. Would you, you have to, I, I, you have real to... quick, would you punish your warlock by making their... Uh, like if their talisman broke, they lose their abilities until they redo the summon. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like oh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Like, like in my mind, like the talisman. If you were to take that, is your holy symbol. Yeah, like it's your connection to your patron. I yeah. think depending on the relationship between the patron and the character. Mm. For example, uh, I have a player in one of my campaigns that is an archfey warlock okay. and a vengeance paladin to the same archfey who has a very active interest in what he's doing. And I think she would give him like a three strikes rule. Mm. Like <laughs> shit's going to get bad when you break the third one, bud. You break this one more time. And I swear, I swear to God. Time out. You're going to go out. in time out. <laughs> I will break your face. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and, and you're done. It will explode. I will fight <laughs> you so hard. You will wake up and the fucking thing will be embedded in your goddamn forehead. Do not fuck with me on this. 
<laughs> Love it. Anyways, let's go with Eldritch Versatility, which is a new rule as well. Whenever you gain a new ASI, so every four levels in the class, you can also replace one of your cantrips with another Warlock cantrip, replace your pact with another pact. So if you went, I don't like Talisman, I'm going to go Tome. You could do that every four levels. And you could replace your Mystic Arcanum spells with a Warlock spell of the same level. And by the way, if any of these choices would invalidate an invocation that you have chosen, you get to choose a new one as well. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to choose a new one because it's invalidated. So guys, same initiative order. Do you allow Eldritch versatility at your table or is level four kind of already powerful enough? By the way, this does not replace your ASI. This is in addition to. I'm fine with replacing a Mystic Arcanum at every four levels. I'm fine with replacing a cantrip every four levels, but I feel like changing a pact, if you're going to do that, I feel like that's a once in a campaign thing. It needs to be planned in advance with your DM. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There has to be a reason behind making a shift like that. But no, I get it. That's character defining. Yeah, like it's huge. And like, to your point, like I don't mind changing spells around. Every other fucking class gets to change their spells when they go to bed. Like why not? Every four levels get to readjust what you've learned and what you want to learn as a human being. Like, I I feel like that's fair. But if you're going to yeet your pact, like it's got to be a reason. I I just go like, it's the pact of the talisman guy going, I wonder if this had legs, what would happen? Yeah. Right? And, and I, I'm again, I'm not on board with that as I'm, I'm okay with you changing your pack during a campaign, but it is a story driven, not mechanically tied to your character level thing. It is, it is a story thing, right? And it, it requires more than just, Hey guys, I'm also good at fighting in a tavern now. Uh, I, I, I'm with you guys on that. Um, let's, let's go down, uh, with some of these new Eldritch invocations. We mentioned the invocations there. Let's talk about some of these invocations now. There are a handful of new invocations that you get. Uh, so let's just cover them real quickly in Tasha's. First one, it's Eldritch Mind. Basically you gain advantage on all con saves to maintain concentration. Love it. As a warlock. Yes. Half forecaster. Yeah. Right. Great. I like it. You get undying servitude, which is you're, you gain the ability to cast animate dead without using a spell slot. And you can only do it once per long rest. Sure. How often yeah. do you come across undead? <laughs> uh, this, particularly, at least once a day. <laughs> particularly if you're going to have an undead patron, why not be able to have skeleton bros hanging around? I just I just see you having a celestial patron and picking <laughs> this and them going, really? Really? We need to have a conversation. <laughs> I'm experimenting, Dad. Leave me alone. <laughs> God, it's just a phase. I hope it's just a phase. <laughs> so specifically for Pact of the Chain, now those, the previous two were available to any Warlock. The next ones are to specific packs. Pact of the Chain, get the Investment of the Chain Master, which is uh, when you get to boost your Find Familiar spell in several fun ways, Okay. This is like gaining a lot more versatility with your familiar and making them more of a presence in combat specifically, okay? Uh, For uh, Tome, you get Far Scribe as a new invocation, which is uh, you gain a spell slot free sending spell to a specific creature who writes their name in your Tome of Shadows, okay? Mm. Now... You to cast this sending spell, you go to your Toma Shadows, you write what you want to send to them, and then they hear that in their brain. 
I'm choosing to believe it's like hearing Siri or voice to text or text to voice speech in their head. And sorry, um, do, do they also they also have to write their name in your book themselves? So that's where the connection comes from. Is that to what you be meant? able to cast the sending, they have you have to be able to yeah they write their names in your book. Oh my god, could it just be a Disneyland like autograph book like? Uh, at certain levels, yeah, but you only get to store number names equal to your proficiency modifier. Damn it. <laughs> How dare so, you limit me? <laughs> so it's not even for your entire party if you have the average party size of five players in a party, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's you and two other players until you get to that point, right? Now you can replace this as you go. You could, as an action, wipe out a name to put in a new name should you want to mix it up, but you only get that proficiency modifier level of times you also get gift of the protectors again this is someone writing their name inside of your book however when they write their name inside of your book should they drop to zero hit points once per day they drop to one hit point instead so it's death ward it's 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 a death ward yeah finally for the new pact we get some new invocations bond of the talisman lets you teleport up to your proficiency modifier amount of times beside the creature who is wearing your talisman and vice versa. You could teleport to them. They could teleport to you. The amount of times to your proficiency modifier, as long as you maintain presence on the same plane of existence. So as long as you're all within the material plane, you could just pop up next to them. So so you give it to the cleric so you can beg for heals. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or, or you give it to the rogue because they're always thrown in jail and yep. you just pop them out of it and stop it. <laughs> don't break it and stop it <laughs> that, that's for your paladin warlock multi-class mm, yeah. yeah now you also get the protection of the talisman which is when you gain a d4 for any failed saving throws a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier per long rest okay that kind of takes that d4 that you get for the talisman itself and amplifies it a little bit more and then finally you get rebuke of the talisman which is when you could spend your reaction to deal psychic damage equal to your proficiency modifier and push the attacker up to 10 feet away when the wearer of your talisman is hit by an attack. To uncomplicate that, whoever's wearing your talisman gets hit by an attack. You can, as the warlock, use your reaction to create a small little burst of damage and push that attacker 10 feet away from uh, the wearer of your talisman, whether it's you or someone else, okay? Mm -hmm. It's limited purely to reaction. So you can do this every turn if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it's, you gross, don't touch me. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So guys, same initiative order as before. Do any of these new invocations stand out to you as the MVP? Which is your favorite of these new invocations, Jeff? I don't remember which one it was, but it was the one that allows the teleporting back and forth forever with the talisman. Bond of the talisman, yeah. 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 It makes the talisman pact kind of a little bit more worth getting, right? In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Talisman Pact by itself is kind of cool, but when you stack one or several of the Talisman-specific invocations, it becomes way more interesting. Yeah. Megan? Honestly, I really, again, had me at psychic damage. I like the fact that if you put this, the, the Talisman on your healer, just keep the big bigs away from your healers. And as soon as oh, someone yeah. touches them, you can be like, no! And then they like... <laughs> and then distribute them. So it's, I feel like, yeah, I like the talisman one a lot. So I think there's yeah. a lot there that is a lot of fun. Um, honestly, I really like the undying servitude, the ability to cast animate dead, mm. um, just because action economy is a thing guys and anything you can use to kind of push that along, especially if you are a pact of the chain warlock, 
I think would really, really love that. Or even a uh, Pact of the Blade. If your table deals with flanking and gaining advantage on attacks, Animate Dead once a day is going to help you in that key fight. Okay. Oh, flanking. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dan. And Adam. And we want to remind everybody all about the different ways you can listen to this podcast. As we say in every episode, we're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but there are other apps too. Podbean is obviously one of them because it's the site we use to host the podcast, but there's also Amazon Music slash Audible and Google Podcasts. And iHeartRadio, Podchaser, Player FM, and Stitcher. Podcast Addict and Deezer and Overcast. Pocket Cast, CastBox, Listen Notes. Podbay, Chartable, Castro. Uh, Castro? Yep. As in... As, as in Castro, for all your high fidel it e needs. Is that an actual thing? Uh, apparently, and it's part of the package we signed up for, and it seems that it's an Apple Podcasts affiliate, so we're going to be nice about it. Dan. Good, good lord. Anyway, you can listen to every episode on any one of these probably non-communist podcasts. Please apps. don't phrase it like that. Yes, comrade. Oh, for fuck's sake. Or you and your glorious party of D&D players can check us out on YouTube where we have everything broken down into playlists. We've also started adding time codes to the show notes of our newest episodes to help you hop around and find the topics you're looking for. Because some of us don't know when to shut up. And of course, our latest episodes are available at itsamimic.com. Duh. Now, we're going to be a little selfish and ask everyone out there to take a second and leave a positive review for us on whichever podcast app you're using. Likes and comments are great, but these review metrics really help smaller podcasts, like us, connect with other podcasts and listeners in the community. Take to the fields, comrades! Support the proletariat in a world full of capitalist big dogs! Seriously, any help and or effort you guys could throw our way is appreciated. We love you guys, and we want to keep providing the best content we can. Content of the highest marks. Get it, Dan? Marks? Get communism? Marks? All right, guys. We have three new subclasses, three new patrons to go through. They are the Fathomless, the Genie, and the Undead patron. Let's roll dice. Each of us have one. Let's roll dice and see who gets to cover theirs first. I have a 12. 15. Two. All right, Megan, (laughs) what you got for us? Say that. So I'm going to take us through the Genie. So, and a quote from Tasha, I know finding housing in Greyhawk is rough, but when genies or warlocks offer you cheap rent, run. (laughs) (laughs) I find that funny. So essentially you make a pact with a noble genie, a great and powerful being that kind of rivals that of like a lesser deity. So not really someone that you want to trifle with, which I think is a really fun way to put that. And basically what they do with Tasha's is that each, there's four different genies that you can choose from to be a patron, basically all of different elements. And then basically your character progression and the abilities that you get are based on the patron that you choose from the genie. So there's a lot to it. I'll go over quickly the different genies that there are. So there's Dao, which is earth, Jin, which is air, Efridi, which is fire and Marid, which is water. So basically at level one, you do get an expanded spell list. So when it comes to being a genie, you do get an expanded spell list that all genies get, but then each different genie patron has its own spell list as well. So I am going to not spend way too much time going through every single spell, but I will give you a quick list of each one. And if we want to expand on a couple, we definitely can. The general genie spell list is you get detect good and evil, phantasmal force, create food and water, phantasmal killer, creation, and then the ever-loved wish. I mean, that really makes your genies you get wish yeah it makes a lot of sense to me and then Dao, which is going to be your earth patron 
you get sanctuary, spike growth, meld into stone, stone shape, and then wall of stone. So, I mean, it's earth themed. I don't know how else to describe it other than yay, rocks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Jin, which is air, gets you um, thunder wave, gust of wind, wind wall, greater invisibility, and seeming. Huh, okay. Yeah. Seeming seeming feels out of place, but then you really consider it and like it's it's just another one of those really, really powerful illusion spells. So I, I like it. I do like it. It fits the flavor. I yeah, guess you're bending air to distort what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the way I like the distortion of the the air around you, basically, is kind of how I saw it. So absolutely. And then F3D for fire, you get burning hands, scorching ray, fireball, fire shield, and flame strike. Fire is fire. fire. So fire, fire, you, yeah, you get fire. And then for a Marid, which is going to be water, you get fog cloud, blur, sleet storm, control water, and cone of cold. Great, right? Yeah. Every, everything tracks there. Yep. <laughs> it all makes sense. So yeah, so yeah, basically each patron gives a different set of genie spells that you can use. And then of course you get your genie capabilities as you level. So at first level, you get genie's vessel, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the genie's lamp. Uh, you get to choose- 10,000 years. <laughs> itty bitty living space. However, it's not that itty bitty. You get to choose what your object is and uh, it grants you some special boons. Of course, there's roll tables all over the place where you can roll at random if you don't know what you want to choose for your vessel. And then when you hold or have like a hand on your vessel, you can either use bald respite, which means you can poof into your lamp and it is a 20-foot radius cylinder with a 20-foot high ceiling. So again, not necessarily a small living space. Not terrible in the worst. Yeah. Uh, and then some of the pe- things about it is that you can technically still hear what's happening around you. So what a great way to kind of like infiltrate yourself into a space where you want to be sneaky. Or you guys, just sneak. put me on the shelf and walk away. Yeah, exactly. Right? But like, <laughs> throw me across the room. I'll just hang out over there. Um, <laughs> However, you can only stay in the vessel for a short period of time, uh, hours equal to twice your proficiency. It will end if you choose to end it as a bonus action or if you die or if the vessel itself is destroyed. Okay. Yeah. And anything in the vessel, if it is destroyed, is destroyed along with it. And you can only use it once per long rest. Okay. You could also use Genie's Wrath, which um, during your turn, you can deal extra damage up to your proficiency bonus. And the type is determined by, of course, your patron. So if you are Dao, Earth, Jin, Air, Ephraidi, Fire, and Marid, Water. Okay. Right? And if you break or lose the vessel, you have to perform a ritual to make a new one. So very similar to the whole talisman thing that don't let your friends handle it because if they break it, it's going to take you some time to make a new one. So. I'm okay. imagining a talisman packed genie patron warlock who now has to juggle two fragile different <laughs> things. Oh man, no, you make the talisman is their thing, right? Oh. So like you have, uh, oh shit, you have like a meeting where like only one member of your party could go in. Uh, so like you hop in your own talisman and then get your noble to wear it just in case so you can pop out and help them as like a that measure. bottled respite is incredibly powerful that's pretty yeah. cool yeah it's it's it that is the reason you play a uh genie powered warlock absolutely and it gets better as you level so as i go through the levels you'll see why it gets better having okay. this vessel so at sixth level you do get elemental gift so you start to become kind of slightly like your patron by taking on some of its features and you become resistant to that type of damage okay which is pretty cool. Also as a bonus action, you can give yourself a flying speed of 30 feet, which lasts for 10 minutes. And you can do this as a bonus action up to the amount of your proficiency bonus. So, so, so you can float. Your, you can float, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so if you're an Efreeti 
powered genie patron warlock. Um, and you get to, this is at six level, you get this? Six level, yeah. Yeah. So do you just go ginger? Is that just how that works? <laughs> My hair is a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Suddenly you're Katniss Everdeen and everyone hates you. One hundred percent. I'm trying to think of my hair would be gin. It would be the white, the white hair. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Dope. All right, and then at tenth level, you get sanctuary vessels. This is when it starts um, affecting your actual vessel you carry around. So you now bring, you can now bring up to five people into your house with you. You can choose up to five willing creatures. I mean, cast a charm person, and, and then their will is not needed, <laughs> right? It's not like they can leave of their own volition. That's you got to bring enough. them in the bottle with you because of the implication. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So, however, those who remain in the vessel for 10 minutes gain the benefits of a short rest. So this is very much your bring your team into your house, like your, your tiny hut to give them the ability to utilize a short rest. And if people do choose to roll dice for hit points, you can actually add your proficiency bonus um, to their heal. Um, Dan, proficiency at level 10 is a plus four, right? Proficiency level at 10 is actually at nine, it's level four. So that means that at level 10, when you get this ability, double proficiency number of hours, you can now long rest in the bottle. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. This thing is powerful. Yeah. You can bring stuff in with you and it appears in its space. If it breaks, you can make a fucking bomb with this thing. Yeah. And you can this remake them. Crazy. So yeah, there's and a couple of things you can do with it that are a little bit more out off the cuff that I feel like your DM would be like, uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Every time you go in, you bring in a backpack full of rocks and dump them on the floor and they're still in there when you leave. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a very large bag of like a tiny bag of holding. Sorry. <laughs> you wait till it's completely full of rocks and then you throw it in the air over the big bad and have the ranger shoot it. Giant it's a rocks. 20 foot radius column. Of descending rocks. Of fucking tons of rocks falling on whatever you threw it over. Uh, is there a weight limit for what can go inside of this thing? I don't think uh, so. No. no. It is a space. It's Yeah, it's 20 foot <laughs> radius, 20 foot high. And so just, so this, this is just something where wizards were like, hey, this is cool. Let's put that in. And they didn't realize the kind of objects, sociopath that players are. <laughs> any objects left in the vessel remain there until carried out. And if vessel is destroyed, every object stored there harmlessly. Damn it, they did think of it. Yes, they did. Harmlessly yeah. appears. Although harmlessly appears in the unoccupied spaces closest. So, so does it work if it's on the so ground? It, it has to there is no, yeah, there is no like exploding. But uh, the falling damage yeah. is still a thing. But rocks are heavy, and when yes. they fall on you, it hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're trying to make this hurt people. Ooh, the book, ooh, the book ooh. is written in a way to be like, do not hurt people. And we're like, how can we make this hurt people? I'm <laughs> playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay, so uh, speak with animals. You can convince an elephant to get inside of it with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, or you have a loxodon in your party and then you just ask them nicely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could do so much damage to things with this if you're clever. And as a DM, I'm like, yes, do it once. Yeah. Once you get one. <laughs> All I could think of was like fast travel too. Like just everybody get in it and someone throw the object. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For like transportation spells. Um, if this object is attached to somebody who's in a transportation circle or something like that, would it take everyone that's inside the object with them as well? And that would get skirt around the amount of bodies that can take. Yes. Within a... Yeah. Yes. 
100%. Yeah, so you could put five people in the bottle and then have however many people the teleportation spell One plus eights usually. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then there you go. There's you get an extra five. 14 There's people. so much shit you can do with this. It's obscene. Yeah. I enjoy this. I mean, it makes you fairly one trick pony. And then if your vessel gets stolen, what do you do? You you can remake it. Get a new one from your patron on a so, short rest. Yeah. So, well, you, you do a ritual to get a new one. And then what happens is, is when you make a new one, the old one is automatically destroyed. Oh, so shit. Oh, even oh, if someone gets bad. it and steals it from you, like they're stealing all your stuff, basically, because all your stuff is going to be in there. Everybody get into this thing. Have your rogue who at level one has a plus nine to stealth. Or some such stupid nonsense, but yeah, hey, right. you're level you're level ten now, so they've got a plus seventy six to stealth. <laughs> get them ninety two, yeah. <laughs> get them to like stealth into the big bad's room and just pop in, right? Like, hey, here's your entire yeah. dungeon nullified. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. There's so much you could do with this, and there's no limitation on the amount of times you could do this in a day. I think it's once, isn't it? Once, once, once per long rest. Once per long rest. Okay, well, fine. Still, you get it once. that's once Still. per day. You can absolutely break the will of your dungeon master. Once per in-game day. True. Mm-hmm. So, so potentially multiple times per session. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this, okay, so what I'm understanding, Ben, is Adam is never allowed to play this subclass ever. Um, he will. Uh, he will also never allow this at his table. Yeah, he will never allow this at his table. Is ever. more what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know this he for might, a fact. <laughs> he might let uh, our players currently playing a Loxodon cleric do it um, because she is kind-hearted and not actively out there to fuck with Adam's world. A very responsible adult. <laughs> very responsible adult. <laughs> um, never, never like? are Megan or I or Dave allowed to glance at this. Or Charlie. Charlie, we get nixed as well. <laughs> oh yeah, Charlie, we get nixed as well. Yeah, yeah hundo percent. But yeah, otherwise never. All right, and then after all that, talking about your vessel, your final ability yep. at 14th level is that you do get limited wish. So you can request a small favor from your patron in the form of basically one spell that is sixth level or lower and costs one action to expend. Uh, this can also be of any class type spell, and then it is regened on 1d4 long rests. So you can basically ask your patron, I would like to be able to do any spell ever existing in the world. And it doesn't cost any sort of requirement for doing it you don't need a material component it is just your patron giving you the yep. effects of a six level spell of your choice 100 percent. yep once every one to four days yep you can just Holy pick a random shit. spell yeah six level spells or lower are still pretty like pretty dope right so yeah. the only other thing i can think of is like like I, not often do I ever see a warlock get all the way up to level 14 as a pure warlock usually warlocks mm. are multi-classed in some way this form. so it's it's big and it's wonderful and it's great, but I just don't really see. I could never see myself playing in a game where someone actually got this ability. It's bait. It's bait to drag people into a longer level yeah. warlock character. Absolutely. Yeah. We dare okay. you not to multiclass this. I mean, warlocks also have a fairly high uh, rate of death. Yeah. Just <laughs> because of their story elements that they necessitate. So yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Is that everything? That's it. That's a genie, my guys. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's do this real quick. Let's grab our dice and real quick, let's talk. Is there any sort of race or background or anything that really speaks to you with a genie warlock? And what are its strengths? And are there any potential oversights or mechanical imbalances here? Let's let's roll the dice and uh, discuss this. I got a natural twenty. Eight. Fifteen. 
So are there any sort of imbalances? Fucking yes. This <laughs> thing is... I don't know uh, what you're talking about. This thing is a nightmare for DM who is yes. inexperienced. Mm-hmm. I would only allow this at a table with an experienced DM, right? Or sorry, yeah. I would only recommend this is at a table with an experienced DM. Yeah. And hopefully uh, an inexperienced player. Or, well, <laughs> I want an experienced player playing this, man, because there are yeah. so many little caveats to all these little rules about yeah, space that's true. and things that could go inside. I like new players because they think outside of the box. Veteran players tend to think very much within the box of what the rules are there for, and they push those limits, but they stay within the limits. Play uh, New players just go, I want to do this random bullshit thing. Can I do it? This is for veteran players and veteran DMs. It's, yes. It's just, it's just is. Fucking be a Janassi. I don't understand why you wouldn't be a Janassi with one of these guys. Yeah. Right? It's true. Um, it just fits. Your your you, granddad is giving you, is your patron. <laughs> yeah. My automatic draw was tiefling was the first thing I thought of. Okay. To be with one of these guys. But like, again, I think it's unanimous that we think that the vessel itself is overpowered. I think everything else is pretty well balanced except for the vessel. The vessel is what breaks it. Yeah, um, but the vessel is the focus, which yeah. is yeah, you know. yeah. So, but I think we're unanimous on that one. But I think to your point, I feel like if you did have a either a veteran DM who knew knows how to handle it and find different ways to make it unusable, like I know Adam is very good at that. Like if you have an ability that's kind of broken, he will find ways in his campaign to make it harder for you to do it. Yeah, and so he I won't feel make like it impossible. So it just feels harder. like you're being hamstrung. Yeah, but he'll 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 make the decision to use it be more of a choice. Yeah, exactly. Jeff? All right. If you're going to play this and you're going to be dealing with all this crazy bullshit, let's go full weird and play a changeling. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. You could do some real strange stuff if you can look like whatever you want. You can disappear into your bottle and pop right back out as a completely different person. Yeah, well, it's not even that. It's you can look like whatever you want and have whatever you want at any given moment. Yeah. Yep. Right? It's just, yeah, man. If you're going to you get wanna... weird, get <gasps> weird. You the wanna... inside is just a just a giant wardrobe. Like when you bring oh. people in, it's just a giant walk-in closet. No, it's the room from the Matrix where they grab their guns and shit. You stand it's... in a big white void, and suddenly shelves come zooming by. <laughs> it's that. also from Game of Thrones. It's the fucking. It's the inside of the bottle is just a wall of faces. Yeah. 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 <sighs> cool. I'm gonna be that one today. We just play a campaign with all all everyone's a genie patron warlock. I mean absolutely insane i i mean yes one shot you you could i want to play a campaign where everyone's a cleric first mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but yeah i'm with you um all right so we're gonna move on to the next one and in the initiative order it was me i get to cover the fathomless warlock fathomless is another one of the ones presented to us in tasha's um and her little quote speaks to me in a very real level lay it on us <laughs> I never understood why some people get so jittery about tentacles. Have you ever had octopus nigiri? One of the few pieces of evidence of a benevolent multiverse. So this went like seven different angles for me. Like it just suddenly took a hard left and oh no, she's talking about sushi. She's talking about sushi. We're good. (laughs) Glad you stopped yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the Fathomless uh, Warlock is basically the the Warlock who devotes themselves to some of the great powers of the deep. We're talking like a Kraken or some sort of aquatic god or even some of the great old ones you can do flavored as Fathomless instead. Mm -hmm. Um, These guys fit great in a 
pirate campaign or aquatic worlds campaign, any campaign where there's going to be water that they're going to do well. Okay. Yeah. Now they like all warlock patrons come with an expanded spell list where they get create and destroy water at first level mm-hmm. and thunder wave. They get gust of wind and silence at second level. Third level spells are lightning bolt and sleet storm. Fourth level spells, they get control water and summon elemental, but it's only a water elemental. Hmm. And at fifth level, they get a Bigby's hand that appears as a tentacle. Which is awesome. And a cone of cold. Yeah, just a... <laughs> For anybody who can't see, we're just doing tentacle arms. Yeah. Tentacle we arms. will be that way. <laughs> well, here's, here's the fun thing. At first level, you get a tentacle. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it already. <laughs> only one. So you get one tentacle, basically. What level do you get tentacles? So that will come. You get what is called a tentacle of the deeps, which basically at first level, you can create a 10 foot long tentacle that lasts for one minute within 60 feet of you as a bonus action. It can attack dealing 1d8 cold damage and reducing the speed of the target until the start of your next turn. That damage increases at 10th level to 2d8. Now as a bonus action on following turns, you can move the tentacle 30 feet and repeat the attack. Again, this is one of those like spiritual weapon levels uh, abilities, except you can do this one a number of times per long rest equal to your proficiency modifier. And it's not concentration. And it's not concentration. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also at first level, you get a swim speed of 40 feet, regardless of what race you are going into this, you get a swim speed of 40 feet and you can now breathe underwater. Okay. That is uh, an ability called Gift of the Sea. Now at sixth level, you get an Oceanic Soul, which is basically where you gain resistance to cold damage and can speak to any creature so long as the both of you are fully submerged in water. There's some torture implications for this. Yep. Yeah, yes, just waterboard everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it's not like you don't need to understand their language. You don't need to like you could just fully understand them and you could talk underwater. Right. So it, 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 I love this. This is so flavorful and awesome. Oh, right. Yeah. But I mean, both of you have to be fully submerged. So it's right. not like you're just dipping their head in the pail and then lifting it up to ask them a question. If you don't no. have intimidation proficiency with this character, you're fucking up. You're yeah, wrong. You're doing you're it wrong. wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> um, well, uh, at sixth level, you also get a guardian coil, which is when you can use your reaction to have your tentacle, the one you summon, mm-hmm. interpose itself between an attack oh, and a creature you see within 10 feet of the tentacle that takes damage. Moving through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you get to reduce the damage by 1d8 or 2d8 at 10th level. So basically, um, your tentacle can just help reduce damage from allies within 10 feet as, as your reaction. Okay? Yeah. What a great tentacle. Yeah, you're, you're really good at tentacles. Also, mm-hmm. your tentacle now becomes tentacles and it gets the grasping trait at 10th level. You get grasping tentacles. No. Um, <laughs> you, get, you, you love this one because you could cast Everett's Black Tentacles as a warlock spell now. Now, you could cast it once per long rest without using a spell slot. Mm. And whenever you cast it, you gain an amount of temporary hit points equal to your warlock level. And damage cannot break your concentration of this spell. I hate it. <laughs> so you get a durable, long-lasting, really good buff 
because you're getting at least 10 temporary hit points at this level. Everett's Black Tentacle, which is basically a, a area of spells that just like grips and grapples things. It's a, it's a advanced form of the Entangle spell with big black tentacles. Stupid. Okay. <laughs> Finally, at 14th level, you get the Fathomless Plunge, which is basically where you can teleport yourself and up to five willing creatures up to a mile away in a body of water that you have seen before or within 30 feet of that body of water if your wizard doesn't want to get their feet wet and your warlock gives a shit, okay? Now, you can do this once per rest. You can do this once per short rest, right? You can leapfrog a mile at a shot. Yeah. I mean, granted, that's still slower than walking. It's still still slower than walking, right? But like... But you could potentially cut several miles out of a day's travel. Yeah. If you know the lay of the land. Well, you you walk around with your genie warlock and get a 10 minutes uh, short rest. And then you walk around with your uh, sorcerer who casts catnap and you get another 10 minute short rest, right? So you just go bang, bang, bang. Within half an hour, you could go three miles. Yeah. Right? So I know you get it once, then you get your normal short rest. Then you do it again, then 10 minutes, 10 minutes. So you could go four miles in an hour and a half, which I guess is kind of slow. I don't know how far a mile is really. But- if you're spending, it's not good for chasing someone, but if you're in a trying situation to get away. or trying to get to town before night falls because it's Barovia or something, and you're yeah. like, well, we could walk three hours into the night to get to the town, or I can cut a couple miles off a little bit here and there throughout the day. Okay, well, let's let's actually talk about the class real quick because that, that's done. Let's grab our dice, let's roll. I want to know what race, background stats whatever what synergizes really well with a fathomless warlock i got a 10 16 or 12 jeff so choosing a water native race seems obvious for this but since the subclass grants water breathing and a swim speed i feel like for me the patron feels more like it's seeking a tool or an emissary that's not from the ocean initially yeah so to me this fits your seagoing pirate or a fisherman I like half elves or half orcs for this. People that are outsiders from their heritage and seeking power from without. Yep. That so for me, I would be inclined to lean towards like a half a half elf or a half orc for this. Someone who's not native to the ocean but spends time around it as an emissary to this patron. Cool, Megan. Yeah, um, I I just like the idea of giant animal characters now just like having the ability to just swim all the time. So I would just like to see like a Leonin. A, a, a furball galoxodon just yeah I'm, like, I'm, I'm at home in the water it's like but I, yeah get home with shorts on at least but i like the idea of the leonid because like cats hate water so now right. i would just like this <laughs> you just you're never gonna see it coming also just dives right into the water and like rescues like it's on a ship it's just and it's like it's prime like it's just loving it and you're just like this is really strange that's fantastic <laughs> what are the strengths of the fathomless do you do you think um I, I don't want to talk about the tentacle more than I have to. So, but I will just like, <laughs> but I feel like, again, like similar to the genie, I feel like the tentacle is the emphasis. Like that's the, yeah, that's, that's the, the broken piece that you can utilize to the, to the best of your abilities. But like, I also feel like giving anything a swim speed is broken at AF. Cause I do find that a lot of people struggle with water when it exists in a campaign. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that that's added in there. So you don't have to choose a water-based character if you're playing a water game which I think is a great option. Jeff? I like that it has a fair amount of utility in battlefield control. This is going to be a really useful person to have around if you spend a lot of time on the deck of a ship. Mm. I can't I can't really complain too much about this. I Well, in terms of like oversights and stuff that this guy has, like 
my complaints, I agree with you, but my complaints are one, you get a 40 speed movement. Um, why, why not just give your swim speed the same speed as your, as, as your movement speed? That's more than good enough in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and warlocks are very bonus action, heavy, very bonus action, heavy. And now you have something that every turn is going to take your bonus action away. So, uh, choices, right. So this is going to give you choices, but again, you could cast this thing and an Eldritch Blast on the same turn. True. So, but it's also a subclass that relies on you being near the water, which if you're not in a campaign specifically tailored to being in the water or near the water all the time. Yeah. It's um, like an, it's a very specific like thing to choose. Yeah. Don't do this for your desert campaigns, friend. Yeah. Well then what what level do you get to create water? Was that one One. of the spells? One. One. Yeah. But still, that would suck having to waste your spell slots doing that. Yeah. Your 14th level ability, your little pond hopping teleportation. Uh, If you have a dickhead for a DM, they can make that completely useless. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, there's no water there. Better luck next time. Well, it's to Um, a pond or to a lake or something that you know. Within one mile. Within one mile, yeah. Depending on how descriptive your DM is, it would be very easy to abuse this as a DM and be a jerk to your player. Um, be generous. I mean, don't like be realistic, but don't like don't yeah, be no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's 14th level. Let him have some fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at least. <laughs> All right. So a little bit of a DM tip for you guys. Um, we've talked a lot about the utilization of patrons, gods, and a lot of our different episodes. And I do feel like that's a very, very important piece. If you are playing a game and you're going to allow these kinds of classes to be played within your game, give your players some options, help them out and help yourself out. That way you're not having to deal with reading 19 pages about a patron just to make sure that you do know that there's no risks to it, right? So like to our point of how you maybe a DM who's not as strong as another DM who doesn't know the history and all of a sudden you choose a patron that gives you all of these different boons and things you didn't know happened and all of a sudden they start pulling these things out of their magic tricks bag and you as a DM just get caught off guard. Yeah. Just, yeah, so to prepare yourself and kind of keep yourself in a little bit of control, don't be scared to give them some ideas and thoughts about the world that you've created if it's a homebrew um, and what gods might fit into that world or what patrons might work well with, like in synergy aspects, right? And then if they do choose something that you're not familiar with, it's worth the time to sit down and talk it through. So that'd be my my tip if you're going hard into one of these. Yeah. Yeah. So... If you made it this far and you haven't rage quit the podcast, you already know how to find us to listen to us. But if you want to interact and you want to, you know, talk to us, argue with us, tell us why we're wrong about all of the things that we've talked about or everyone talk about. You or agree find, with us or agree with us and say this that you is guys the are right. Internet. There are no agreements. <laughs> no. You can find It's a Mimic on Instagram at, at It's a Mimic. There is a Facebook page for It's a Mimic and there's also r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. If you want to send new BDSM furniture requests to Dan, you can reach info at itsamimic.com. Mailbag questions can be left on the Instagram inbox. Our slash slash it's a mimic has a sticky post or to the same info at itsamimic.com. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the side hustle. Shout out. Jeff. Can't let it go. Uh, Well, how about this? How about you give us your warlock subclass now? Really? Do I have to? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Fine. Twist my arm. <laughs> so I don't get a nice handy Tasha's quote because this comes from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. The undead patron warlock is someone that's made a pact with some obscenely powerful undead being. That much should be obvious, but this isn't just your run-of-the-mill zombie or wraith. 
We're talking beings that dedicated their lives and in turn eternity to the pursuit of power and immortality at all costs. They give examples such as demi-liches like Sererak, as well as vampire lords, Dracoliches, undead pharaohs, etc. So we get, as with everything else, we get an assortment of features by level. At first level, we get our expanded spell list. Uh, let's see. So added to your spell list as follows. At first level, you get Bane and False Life. At second level, we have Blindness, Deafness, and Phantasmal Force. At third level, we have Phantom Steed and Speak with Dead. Fourth level spells, we have Death Ward and Greater Invisibility. And at fifth level spells, we get Anti-Life Shell and Cloud Kill. I think so, the sorry. one... The Go one ahead. there that makes me really happy is Fanta- uh, Phantom Steed. I was about to say, what is that? Is that exactly as it sounds? You just like get a phantom for, horse? <laughs> basically, yeah. You, you get like a, a phantom horse for an hour that lets you run away real fast. Yeah, it's a large quasi-real horse-like creature. End quote from the spell. That basically it it pops up. You get to decide on its appearance and what it looks like. Everything. It's Always going to look like the dog from um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Love it. Sure. But yeah, for the duration, you run on this thing. It has a speed of 100 feet and can travel 10 miles an hour or 13 miles at a fast pace. A half a day traveled in one hour. Yeah. This thing fucking books. Amazing. Yeah. What a, what a random little good, good nugget you get from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want it just for this. Phantom Steed is, funnily enough, a wizard-only spell, typically. So this is one of those ones that uh, warlocks now get unique access to. All right. Also at first level, we have Form of Dread. Form of Dread is a transformation you undergo to manifest some aspect of your patron. It's a bonus action, and it lasts for a minute. You get to choose the visual traits of the transformation, with the examples given being shadows forming the crown and robes of a lich, or glowing funereal glyphs on your body and swirling desert sands from a mummy. There's a lot of fun flavor to be had in kind of making your character big scary when you do this. When you're transformed, you also get a series of benefits. You gain temporary hit points equal to 1d10 plus your warlock level. Cool. That works out to roughly 6 at level 1, 16 at level 10, and if you really stuck around to level 20 as a warlock, that's 26 temporary hit points. Hmm. Uh, on top of this. Not game-breaking, but certainly useful for a player character without a ton of hit points. The next thing that it gives you once during each of your turns when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can force it to make a wisdom save, and if the wisdom, if the saving throw fails, the target's frightened of you until your next turn. Cool. So very useful for keeping things from attacking you and making it harder for them to hit you, and is far more useful as a warlock than burning a spell slot for something like cause fear, like to be able to just every turn make something afraid of you so that it leaves you alone yeah. can be very useful. Uh, I find you're it, also immune to the frightened condition. I, well, I mean, you'd have to be. Your yeah. patron right. is a big, scary undead thing. Um, I find it weird that you don't get cause fear as a spell. Yeah. I don't need it. Uh, is what, <laughs> do you recall offhand what level cause fear is? That's relatively low level, isn't it? It's first level, level one. Spell. All right. So I was going to say, I wasn't super thrilled with the second level spells, but if it's a first level spell, Bane and False Life, I'm cool with. Um, All right. So you can do this a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, change into your form of dread, and you recharge in a long rest. Uh, Two to six times a day feels like a perfectly acceptable number of times to do this. I don't have a problem with that frequency. Sure. At sixth level, you get the grave touched feature. 
You no longer need to eat, drink, or breathe. Also, once on your turn, you can change the damage type to necrotic when you roll an attack roll against a target and roll damage. In addition, if you're in your form of dread, you can roll an additional damage die to the necrotic damage this causes. Cool. Mm. You do need to be somewhat smart and thoughtful with this if you are not a melee warlock because there are very few damaging spells that are an attack roll in the warlock spell list. There are only four. Eldritch Blast, Green Flame Blade, Shadow Blade, and Witch Bolt. Every other spell that is an attack roll for a warlock is already necrotic damage. Uh, I mean, Booming Blade. That one, the booming effect doesn't happen when you hit something with your attack roll. That one, oh, if you want yeah. to get hey, fussy with the semantics on it, I don't no. think that would work. Also, a bunch of things are uh, resistant to necrotic damage. Definitely useful. Uh, but if you're not paying attention, you could cockblock yourself with this and do zero damage when your regular force, psychic fire, or lightning damage would have done the trick. Hmm. If you're paying, playing a blade-packed warlock, it's going to be easier to make it useful because it stacks on your melee attack rolls. Cool. If you're multi-classing with a paladin, this is going to be very useful. Use wisely. Yeah. Uh, not needing to eat, drink, or breathe is one of those things that's either going to be nothing but wallpaper for you or incredibly useful depending on the dungeon master and the type of campaign you're playing. In. Mm-hmm. Pirate or desert campaign, great. If you have a DM that doesn't consider resource management very much, you may not find much use for this not needing to eat or drink. If, oh. if you are doing a run-through Schult, like you're doing Tomb of Annihilation, go with this. Have your patron be a Sarak. That would be cool. Um, but there's a whole exploration mechanic that is now null and void to specifically your character. Yep. Cool. All right. At 10th level, you get Necrotic Husk. You are now resistant to necrotic damage, which bumps straight up to immunity when you are in your form of dread. Also, when you would be knocked down to zero hit points you can burn your reaction to drop to one instead and do 2d10 plus your warlock level in necrotic damage to everyone you choose within 30 feet of you after this you gain one point of exhaustion and can't do it again for 1d4 long rests that's average of 21 points of damage at level 10 to everything you choose within 30 feet with no save or attack roll they automatically Hmm. take the damage when you hit zero if you want to do this with your reaction Cool. If you uh, make this character a half-orc and take one level in Shadow Sorcery, you now have three ways to cheat death. Oh, yeah, right? Uh, I mean, it's, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. Uh, I'm okay with that, right? I mean, yeah. you have another way. You probably can cast Death Ward and right. other, other things come in there as well. But, like, I like the fact that this is so powerful that they add the negative effects of one exhaustion and one D4 potential long rests before you can do it again. Mm-hmm. It does, however, it is uh, weird um, and will only really be managed if you're if you're actually good at resource management at your table. I know mm-hmm. a lot of tables that this would just be, it's just a long rest. You just get it back. Yeah, woo. Yeah. All right. At 14th level, your last subclass feature is spirit projection. As an action, your spirit leaves your body temporarily. Your body is unconscious at this time. Your spirit resembles your body in appearance, but you don't bring your possessions with you. Damage that affects your body or your spirit affects the other. This lasts one hour or until you lose concentration. When it ends, you return either to your body or to the location that your spirit is teleporting your body to that spot. Okay, so your spirit resembles your mortal form in almost every way, replicating game statistics, but not your possessions. Correct. Are you a naked ghost? Yes. It's the only way to live. 
Like, yeah. are you are you Doctor <laughs> Manhattan, just like floating in a place with your tentacle showing? <laughs> Tits out for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> if you're planning to take this subclass up and past fourteenth level, and you don't find some way to get your character nicknamed the Emperor, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. While you are projecting, you get the following benefits. Your spirit and body gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Mm-hmm. When you cast a spell of the conjuration or necromancy school, the spell doesn't require verbal or somatic com- components or material components that lack a gold cost. Just kind of like are, sit there and things just appear. It's metal. Love it. There are yeah. 47 spells in the Warlock spell list in the Conjuration and Necromancy schools. 47 currently in 5th edition D&D. Cool. Lots of options. Wow. You have a flying speed equal to your walking speed and can hover. You can move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside a creature or an object. While you were using your form of dread, once during each of your turns, when you deal necrotic damage to a creature, you regain hit points equal to half the amount of necrotic damage dealt. Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. So yeah, there are some significant downsides to this. I don't know if we want to hold off until we're rolling. Yeah, let, let's 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 roll for it. Um, grab your dice, guys. Um, let's talk about what let's talk about the benefits first. How is this strong? How is this class strong? And what are the race uh, backgrounds uh, skills that kind of lead toward this? Okay. I have a 12. Six. Okay. So um, again, if you're not taking intimidate, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, just, you are doing this wrong. You, you are a scary motherfucker. Lean into it because of that. Uh, Shatter Kai, uh, Shifter, Kalishtar, uh, like all of these like super edgy uh, races fit very well for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, I'm going to go off book and say Goliath. A Goliath Hexblade Ooh. undead patron mm-hmm. would be such a bad, just because you're huge, you're bald, you're fucking oh. gray, you're scary to begin with. <laughs> and, and also you're a physical fucking dynamo. And this is why you go Hexblade with this guy. Uh, right, blade packed hex blade is a oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, blade packed. Yeah, you go pack with the blade with this guy, right? Um, and and with this resistance to all damage that are to the sorry to the melee causing damage, the bludgeoning, the piercing, and slashing, um, you now can get up into the mix of things fairly easily, fairly well, fairly reliably, right? And remember, we're not talking about other invocations and uh, your spell selection that go into this, right? Um, I, I do like it, but uh, yeah, man, uh, I'd say you want to lean towards the big imposing and scary when you're building one of these guys. Uh, Jeff, you think you're next? I like uh, Dark Elf for this. Okay. I like Half Elf and Human. I like builds that focus on ambition and selfishness, although you'll need to find a way to make that work with a group. Mm-hmm. This feels a lot of how this subclass is built feels very selfish. There yes. is almost nothing that's not combat and there's almost nothing that benefits anybody but you yeah don't play this guy in your Feywild campaign this would be (laughs) could be a lot of fun could be really tricky to get it to mix with a group and not end up being a jerk this subclass was tailor-made to be multi-classed with paladin as an alternative to the hexblade patron so much of the stuff that this subclass does dovetails with paladin abilities it's not even funny 
being yeah. able to stack this stuff on top of your smites and everything else it's is there super, super super synergistic is there a specific oath you're thinking um i mean oath you could breaker. Go a couple different you could go, go a couple different ways you could make this fit vengeance you could make it fit conquest pretty easily it definitely breaker, has an yeah. evil paladin feel i don't think this is a devotion or redemption paladin Okay, but, well, you can make any paladin evil. I've discussed this many times, and I love it. Right, but it's, it's a little more challenging. As a single class character, it definitely goes hard into narrative flavor, but I think it's a little less enticing for that for me personally. Um, yeah, 10 levels of this and 10 levels of evil paladin, you've got some fun, real interesting going on. Cool. Um, as far as there are a couple significant downsides to that 14th level feature. Well, one second. Bodies... Before, before, before we start talking about downsides... Megan, what are your upsides? What are your uh, opinions on this? Okay, well, y'all talked about like the the stats and stuff, but to be honest with you, I just, I'm a person of theatrics. And so I was thinking the exact opposite of Dan, where it's like, I don't want a big and scary person to play this character. I feel like I would choose someone very small and dainty and delicate that looks very kind and sweet until not so much. Anime magical girl. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And then their form of dread is just frightening as fuck. And then they just like burp and then turn back into their beautiful, beautiful self. And then it's just like, what the fuck just happened? Oh my, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Got a little out of hand there, just so much. (laughs) Fathomless fits that very well, too. Yeah, absolutely. I find a lot of the Warlock subclasses lean into that, like, cute, innocent, cuddle uh, creature until shit gets fucking real. (laughs) All all Warlock party of just anime magical girls. I've played in very, very many anime, like, magical girl campaigns. So then this is just phenomenal, and I'm about it. So, (laughs) All right, let's talk about those downsides, Jeff. What do we got? Your body is extremely vulnerable when you're doing the uh, spirit projection. Mm -hmm. An unconscious body is going to take auto fail, strength, and dex saves, and attack rolls against the body are at advantage, and an auto crit within five feet. Resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing helps cut some of this down. If your body is not well hidden when you do this, you can have your day and your character sheet ruined really, really fast. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just have, just, just, oh, be packed at the talisman? Put your body in the talisman. Do this shit. You're thinking genie. You're thinking genie. You can't put your body in the in your talisman. Oh, right, right. Shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Since your possessions don't go with, with your spirit, yeah, yeah. It'd be you'd have to put some thought into it. Yeah. It's high benefits, high downside if you're not smart cool. or if your DM yeah. is smarter than you. Since the possessions don't go with you, neither do your weapons or magic items. Mm. Oh, yeah. Shit. Well. So, so being packed to the blade would be useless. No, being packed with the blade would be good because you can summon your weapon. Mm. If you want to be a slashy warlock, you need to be blade packed. If you want to multi-class this with paladin and you don't, and you plan to go, eh, well, that's 14th level. I don't know. Blasty warlocks, if you're not planning on using magic items or blade packed, at least you can summon your weapon. So yeah, you have to think about it. You have to make sure that this is going to work for you. It could screw you in a hurry. You literally have to know what, it is like you'd have to build your character backwards with this one mm-hmm. almost. So you you also really want to know, am I even going to bother taking 14th levels in this to get to this point? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, as we wrap up, let's talk about some interesting character builds for these guys. Let's grab our dice and see who gets to present their interesting character build first. I got a three. Seven. Twelve. All right, Jeff, <laughs> what's, what's your interesting character build here? I am building a drow charlatan background pact of the talisman undead warlock okay this is 
This is a character who has a knack for trickery and eventually played a trick on the wrong person, attempting to pull one over on some higher station drow, was left for dead on the surface and beaten so badly they should be dead except for a cry for help at the right time. Something answered, and this is a great Underdark character, hell-bent on revenge on the drow house that wronged you. Hmm. hmm That's badass. That's pretty cool. Megan, what do you got? Oh, I can't beat that. Um, but, <laughs> oh, so... yeah, no, I'm not beating that either. <laughs> But like, you know how in video games, you start off as a powerful being at the very beginning, and then you lose all your powers and half the video game is you be getting those powers back. And it's very annoying and frustrating. I would like to build that character. So if you're thinking, I'm thinking a Genasi genie that is um, talisman packed, basically. And so you were once a wall and powerful genie, and you lost all of your abilities. And so now you are starting from scratch, having to build up your powers and your abilities. And your talisman is technically your boon you are now giving to other people on your team because you are the powerful genie and your vessel is like what you carry around with you, that kind of thing. And then as you grow and as you adapt, you get all your magical powers back. Like that's the whole concept is to become a genie once again. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. For me, funny enough, my character, I I wouldn't probably play this character. This would be more of an NPC, Mm. but a fathomless warlock as a information broker (laughs) <laughs> is is something that I, I really like the idea of. Someone that lives on a poor town, probably like the like drunken sailor that sits just outside the tavern and just gathers a bunch of information, right? Uh, so I'm playing this guy human. I'm playing this guy as nondescript as possible. But the second he's found out, he is summoning tentacles. He is getting out of town and he is fleeing a lot of a lot of the abilities of the fathomless warlock are about getting out so he he is just like you know how some uh ninjas like smoke bomb and run uh this guy tentacle and run so Mm. like i i like the idea of him having that ability to grab a guy pull him underwater with ever's black tentacles dive in have a conversation with them and then get the fuck out I'm just just imagining like a, a whole cult of these guys that just, that yeah. rain down on a town to take over for their patron, but like just having a bunch of them in one place would be a very dangerous affair. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really dark part of my brain that just flipped on and wants a cult of this warlock that are all Kuotoa. Yes. <laughs> I hate it, also, but I love it. <laughs> warlocks get mage hand on their spell list, don't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a tentacle. I don't care who says otherwise. The mage hand for this character is a tentacle and they're using it to pick up everything. If it says hand, replace it with tentacle. Tentacle. Yes. (laughs) Oh, no, it would be really, really good for a fathomless. And and, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of the flavor doesn't necessitate, uh, sorry, doesn't necessitate the specific creatures put in, but a Simic hybrid fathomless guy would just like dude crawls up on the water with like, lobster hands and fucking just tentacles naturally growing out of his skin I'm, just I'm suction cups yeah just little... <laughs> suddenly i also want to build another type of illithid that has levels in this or you want tea mm. oh yeah 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 this, right you could have some really yeah. weird fun with the subclass tons of flavor so guys general overview last little thing final thoughts what do you guys think of these three uh, new subclasses and these options that we got from Tasha's. What are, what are we thinking? Are we still in love with warlocks? I always have been. I always will be. They're fun. They're fun. They're unique. There's a right? ton of flavor. Yeah. They take, they take a lot of forethought and a lot of care and to construct like in a way that would be fun, like to the point 
we spoke to it earlier about how sometimes you can pigeonhole yourself into not being as great as you wanted to. So I feel like these ones do require a little bit more research, a little bit more careful thought and a little bit more like strictly what you want to do. If you were going to go from level one to level 20, like you have to think about it. You can't just start at level one and be like, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) I I guess you're right. Like they're, they're kind of heavy handed with that very specific flavor that they offer. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not fully on board with that, with that heavy handed flavor, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. I might. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So guys, that'll be it for this discussion on Warlocks for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be boiling, boiling, toiling, and troubling, I guess, as we bring a new multi-part discussion on hags. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of our podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So in Neil Gaiman's American Gods, we discover that people worship, quote, new gods as such as media, celebrities, guns, money, etc. Yeah. What real world thing, person, power, or manifestation do you think would be worthy of being a warlock patron in our world? Oh, are we rolling for this? Let's do it. Okay. 15. I got four. 12. 12? Okay, Megan? Sweet. Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> why, and here's, Megan? And here's why. Because nothing is as strong as family. God damn, you. <laughs> God damn it, Megan. You're welcome. Uh, I was going to say dice because the dice gods need to be appeased. Like that was going to be my answer. I'm kind of with you on that. I, I don't know if I could come up with anything better than either dice or Vin Diesel. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I don't know. Maybe, ooh, does someone need to make a set of Vin Diesel dice now? 100%. Oh. I feel like he could make his own business with D&D related like attire and people would buy it. Well, I mean, you, you see Joe Manganiello's whole death saves clothing brand that he has. Like, dude, just need the opposite component to that. With something a little bit more punk than death metal. Maybe. Yeah. All I'd right. Be all right with it. Yeah, no, I'd be okay. <laughs> one smell. One, one smell. My God. <laughs> smelly wish. One, one smelly wish. One, one smell. Uh- or you could jump over to the YouTube not the YouTube, Dan. God, fuck your old. And might I add, it says chosen. It doesn't say willing creature. So that means consent is not needed. Oh, shit. <laughs> Come along with up. me. <laughs> Hold up. Pardon? Yeah. It just says you chosen. You choose. You are coming with me. Uh, no, it says you can choose up to five willing creatures. Damn it. I <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about that. <laughs> But mom mentality, mob mentality, mob mentality. (laughs) Maybe I need more bourbon. Thanks for listening. Bye.